Hey guys, and welcome to the Thank You for Laughing podcast. This is your host, Stephanie Shar. This is where we make light of life one episode at a time. And I just wanted to do a little intro before I share this interview with you with my friend, Heather Sinow. Heather and I have been friends for, gosh, almost 20 years. I don't know. We're in our 30s. We met in elementary school. So this episode is part Q&A, part catch-up, gab-fest, spilling the tea, um, high school gossip and memories. So I guess just enjoy it. Um, I thought about cutting some parts out. I thought about censoring it a little bit, but you know, part of what I believe in and part of my brand and this podcast is really letting different types of people come on this podcast and be themselves. And Heather and I are both people that are proud to be ourselves. And so sometimes we use colorful language. Sometimes we talk about topics that other people are uncomfortable to talk about. And so I guess just keep that in mind while you're listening to this episode. Um, And I hope that you enjoy the ride and just feel like you're hanging out with us and catching up with an old friend right along with us. And if you want to skip the beginning and go to, you know, probably about halfway through, we actually start the real interview with her and her life as a stand-up comedian and voice actor and things like that if you want more of the inspirational stuff um, that is probably like halfway and then towards the end but thank you so much for listening thank you for laughing with us and let's start the episode I forgot how old I am it's been actually almost 30 years since we met but that's okay here we go on to the episode Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thank You for Laughing podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Shar, and this is where we make light of life one episode at a time. Today's guest is my dear friend, Heather Sinow. As the only female impressionist stand-up comedian in the state of Michigan, Heather has been tickling audiences funny bones since 2005. Whether it's been sketch comedy on stage at the Second City in Chicago, improvisational comedy at Girl Comedy and Planet Ant here in Detroit, or doing voiceover for radio, commercials, and animations. Wow, she's sure to be one of the odder yet very memorable characters. Characters even. <laughs> I can't speak for shit. Let's see in the comedy realm. Catch her at local stand-up venues here in Detroit area, as well as traveling around the Midwest and Canada this summer. It's past the summer. She didn't do any of that. But listen to her anyway. That's fine. Err. It's Jennifer Coolidge. <laughs> Yay! Welcome, Heather Snow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like... I, I, I know I said, like, do whatever voice you want, but I was secretly hoping you would do that voice. Oh, really? I just thought of it last minute. I'm like, yeah, that's a, it's an easy one. It's dumb. It's a, it's a nice, memorable one. And you do it so well. It's like she has such a distinct voice. It's like anyone would know who that is. So mm-hmm. that's perfect. But I mean, I think that even making people laugh for longer than since 2005, I mean, so we've been, so we've known each other since the fourth grade, just to give everyone listening some background, Heather and I grew up in the same small, um, white Christian conservative (laughs) 
straight town and somehow turned out like this. But anyway, um, so we grew up in the same small town in Michigan um, and we've known each other since the fourth grade, I think. Oh, I know we were at least in each other's fourth grade class, right? I don't know if we knew each other before then, but definitely since then. We met each other in Miss Vela's class. So that was our teacher. And we sat next to each other in like a little four uh desk seating pattern like they would put four desks together and you would have like two sitting across from another two and then there'd be another four another four another four and so on but the beginning of the year i believe it was set up differently where it was more like rows and every couple months the teacher would get bored and put us into like weird patterns of desks. that's right do you remember okay do you remember that surprise thing she would do on the chalkboard and like every time we did something bad she would erase a letter do you remember this oh my god i haven't thought about it in a long time i don't know why but that is like the main thing i remember because i never had another teacher that that did that i thought it was so cool so like she would write on the chalkboard the word surprise at the beginning of the week and then every time we like did something bad she would erase a letter. And then by the end of the week, however many letters that were left, that was how big the surprise was. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it was like cookies. Sometimes it was like a field trip. Like it was always something different. And I, I think there was like one week where she got so mad at us. She like erased the whole word. Well, <laughs> yeah, so, I think that might've been the week that, um, do you remember Sean Pooperman? No, did did you did you change his name for the sake of this podcast? Not that I think anyone we know is gonna listen to it, but no, no I, I like no, I really talk, don't remember. I, I I do not remember who you're talking about. So <laughs> it was Laura and Kristen Clusterhouse and Shana Rymel and I all had a crush on this boy named Sean, and he used to play soccer with the boys like out by the field, and then I think he went out with Shana. Or like he he started dating one of us and then they broke up and because we were all really mad we turned on him and he went from being like the most popular boy to the least popular boy within the matter of like a month and we started calling him sean pooperman and it caught on so much that he became like severely bullied oh my gosh Oh Poor yeah. Guy. I, oh, yeah. I was him. I was terrible in 4th grade. Like I was even <laughs> I was even bad to you. I had for my birthday. You were? Oh yeah, for my birthday party. <laughs> Do you know why you weren't invited to my birthday party? I don't even remember not being invited. I chose Shauna. <laughs> I chose Shauna over you. I remember my mom gave me a list of uh, I could invite I think 10 or 12 people and it was between you and Shauna to be invited. And I picked oh Shauna because I was envious that you were in a movie and I wasn't. Oh my God. Okay. First of all, I can't believe you were a bully. Like I never even thought oh, of you like that at all. I was but a bully. Secondly, you didn't know that? Fourth grade, no, I was a bully. I always thought you were nice to me, but I guess I was I was just like naive and I didn't notice, but I, or I didn't care. People, <laughs> but okay, Polish wedding with Claire Danes. Of course you were mm-hmm. jealous because you're Polish. No, because I remember you'd be like, no, okay, I just remember you being like, 
Well, I'm more Polish than you. I do remember you saying that, <laughs> I but I never, I never saw it. I never saw it as bullying. Like I just, I never, I never thought of you that way. I mean, I don't think you, I don't think you were like that in high school. I don't remember you bullying people in high school. No, because I was bullied in high school. After my mom passed, I went from being the bully to being bullied. And it was actually pretty severe to a point where there was, there was one day, um, I think it might've been a month after the fact of my mom passing and everybody in the school knew. I mean, every single person in the school knew about me and what happened to my mom, but they didn't know how she passed. So I would be standing in the lunch line and I hear some kids say, hey, I heard your mom shot her brains out. And then I'd have to tell on like a, a, a lunch mom and be like, this is happening. Then we go to the principal, we'd have a little meeting with the kids who made fun of me. And then I'd be sent to like the ther school therapist. And then I would go back to like another week of, you know, living life. And then another kid would say something, go back to the principal. It was just like cyclical. Every other week, something was happening where like, I would just be like traumatized. And I never told anybody about it. Aww. Well, and I don't really, I don't understand like what any of that really did to stop bullying. Because I remember when I was bullied, it was like, yeah, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, let's like call their parents and like make, make the kids apologize. Like, we okay, they'd be like, sorry. And then, and then it was like, you know, back we to normal, you know? I don't remember you ever being bullied. When was that? I was bullied in middle school and we went to different middle schools. Oh. All of my friends, see, that was the problem is, so we went to the same elementary school for fourth and fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And then for middle school, like all my friends went to the other middle school. And so when I went to Romeo middle school, I didn't really have any friends. I had to like start all over again. And it was really tough and we didn't have theater yet. So I didn't have like a group of weirdos to hang out with. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then high school, like high school was fun for, for me, like high school for me was like, I'm sure like there were people that didn't like me and made fun of me, but by that point, like, I, I feel like in high school, we had our place, like our, like the theater was like our safe place. I just remember like being in there all the time and feeling like I finally had people that understood me and I hadn't really ever felt that way. So I don't know if you had that experience or not, but no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so I'm trying to remember, were you friends with like Sarah Pachinko and all those people? Was that the um, group that you were in with in, in elementary school? Cause I'm trying to remember the fr so freshman year of high school when we came back yeah I'm trying to remember what table you sat at remember we were eating in the gym because the elementary school kids from um the washington elementary or whatever they had like black mold in their school so they had to oh my gosh i don't remember that at all that is yeah, crazy they were in our cafeteria that's where they went they had their class weird so we ate oh in like one half of the gym and it was like really funky how the tables were set up but i remember yeah i tried to sit with like sarah pachinko and all of them and i like how i'm just calling out sarah pachinko constantly uh but um yeah so i went and sat with them and then i don't know something happened where like they just didn't like me or or someone didn't oh was it Amanda's sister? What's Amanda's sister's again name again? 
I don't know. You have like a way better memory than Christina. Me Christina? Is it Christina? Was Christina no her idea. name? Okay, so uh, Amanda, uh, Void's friend, uh, our, our mutual friend, Amanda, she- uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it Christina? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Her okay. older sister who who is in our yeah, yeah. grade. Yeah. Christina. Yeah. I didn't know which me. I didn't know which yeah. Amanda you were talking about. Like oh, there were okay, so many sorry. Amandas, you know, like yeah, back yeah. in our day, Amanda was such a popular name. It was like we had like 10 Amandas. Why do I in feel our grade. Like there was Amanda Seafried was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Wait, did. weren't there twins? There were twins. It was like Amanda and Alyssa or Alisa Alisa. or yeah. something. <laughs> so many Amandas. Oh my God. Don't even get me started. I've, I've, I know I'm like calling out names left and right. And I, I've, if they listen to this, it's like, whatever, but one of them, I think it, we're not saying anything Amanda. bad about anybody. Well, yeah. well, just let me uh, finish this. So <laughs> Amanda and I were Facebook friends and then she posted, um, who's that African-American woman that's Republican Candace Owens who's like just the worst when Roe versus Way got overturned she posted a Candace Owens video okay about that's how not, that that's not our friend Amanda that's this is a different Amanda this is the uh this is Amanda Reband oh okay one of the, one of the twins <laughs> I think it's either her or her her twin sister I'm pretty sure it was Amanda and she posted that and it was just like god bless you know the children aren't being aborted and I was like go fuck yourself <laughs> Oh and just like God. I removed her from my friend list, I was like, no, no, we're not, we're not acquainting ourselves anymore. And then she like commented on one of my Instagram posts, something nice. And it's just like, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, I'm never speaking to you. <laughs> it's just oh like, <laughs> I can't, I can't deal with, with people who have no sense of morale outside of their own being like. It's cool that, you know, you want to live that way, but to broadcast, you know, the whole world should should live like that is is morally corrupt and just it's actually kind of vicious. So, no, I. Yeah. But well, yeah, you know, you have to have you have to have your boundaries online. Right. And it's like yeah. you, you need to control what you what you see and don't see, because there's so much stuff that's that's triggering and hurtful and. You know, there's so many things and it's like, sometimes you just have to block, ignore, mute, unfriend, unfollow, what, whatever it is, depending on what it is. And everyone has their different standards and boundaries for that. Right. And I get, I get different views and everything like that. But the fact that she posted a Candace Owens clip and that woman is a psychopath conspiracy theorist, like just out of all the people, that's who you posted about on Roe versus Wade. And I'm like, that that just tells me what kind of character you have and it's like oh you're a shitty person i don't want to associate with you so i like it, it's cool live your life do whatever but i'm not having it in my life but I, going back to all of uh that stuff about the um the splitting the cafeteria into the gymnasium you were mentioning how you thrived in high school. Yeah, you wanna know what I did for freshman year every day for lunch? Because those girls didn't like me. I would get a cinnamon sugar bagel, a chocolate milk, and I would eat it in the bathroom. And then I would sit in the hallway and wait until the lunch hour was over. Oh my gosh, I'm so that sorry was, I didn't know about that. That was the first couple months until I realized that everyone thought I was a teacher or um, an adult so I could roam the halls and do whatever I liked. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Like I would get stopped coming into school. I'd be wearing a, I had a red pea coat and I had a Liz Claiborne leather, um, like Kelly bag. And I just looked like, I looked like a woman on the street or like a substitute teacher. Cause I was tall. I looked older than everybody for like freshman year through senior year. And I would constantly be stopped and be told, ma'am, you need to stop into the office. If you're checking in to, to, um, substitute a class. I'm like, I am a student. And then like, just walk what? on. I'm like, hey, oh my gosh, can I get booze? Like, <laughs> give give me some can money I, if you think I'm an adult. Can I get a cigarette? Can I get a trophy? For I should have just old? started smoking right there <laughs> and been like, yes, I am a substitute teacher. I bet I could have done that. I bet and I we were always, away. well, not always, but like, I would say most of the time we had to play like the adults. If we were like extras or something in theater, like, and we had to get all like the lines drawn the on us to make us, yeah, because they were like, oh, you're over five, five. You have to be, you have to play a mom. You look like you got your period. Go ahead and be a mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's too funny. Okay. So back to your amazing career. I mean, I think you're thriving <laughs> now, whether, whether you, whether you think you are or not, I think you're thriving. So, okay. So after high school, you went to Chicago, mm -hmm. I visited you a few times. It was super fun. Um, so I know you went to Loyola. Yeah. Right. It was what it was called. And you, did you, and you went to school for theater, right? I got a very big scholarship through the theater department. They had, I think two or three, and I got like one of the top ones. And the irony is I never did a single play there. I never got cast in anything, but I got the highest scholarship. That's amazing. I think I got one of those scholarships too. And I, like at first I had a musical theater major and then I changed it to communications. Cause I was like, Mm, this sounds more practical and I get to take a lot of the same classes, but I mm. don't have to worry about getting famous or not. <laughs> so <laughs> unless you're doing, out. yeah, unless you're behind the scenes, you should not be going to school for theater. Like that's a hobby. You can do it whether or not you are in, you know, majoring in theater, you can still audition for plays and stuff. But yeah, I was, you can do it for fun. Yeah. I was so dumb and thinking like, this is how life works. I'm going to become famous after college and blah, blah, blah. I should have never even gone to college. I should have taken my money, got my nose fixed, my teeth fixed, moved to LA and then got famous. <laughs> like seriously. Just skip the That's, whole college part. Yeah. No, yeah if you want to be an actor and you want to be famous, don't go to school. Just literally fix yourself. Make sure you look like, you know, you could be on days of our lives and then go to LA or New York. Just, just pay someone to make you look like a Kardashian and yep. you'll be fine. <laughs> yep. Yep. You think I'm oh joking. I'm not joking. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because it's true. Yeah. Um, so, but when did you start the whole, like, when did you start doing what you're doing now? So you're doing stand up and you've, you've mm -hmm. done like voiceover acting and things like that. So when, when did like all of that kind of come to come to fruition? Uh, for doing comedy in general, well, ever since I was little, I was trying to make people laugh. Like even in like fourth grade and stuff, I was, I don't know, I was a weirdo. <laughs> 
I've always been Me too. Just, that's why we're yeah. still friends. Yeah. Like a, yeah, eccentric. <laughs> I think that's why we bonded in the first place. It's just like, yeah. oh, you like movies and cartoons and, and you also like Jim Carrey. Okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I used to do a lot of uh, voices and characters around my mom mainly to make her laugh. And also she had habit of forgetting what happened in movies or um, would turn to me when she was near friends and be like, what is that commercial? What do they say in that? And then I would act out the commercial or act out whatever like animated movie there was or something. So she kind of got the ball rolling without even realizing it. But that's just how my family is. Like we're weird, we do weird quotes, we have weird voices. It's just like, second nature to us i just took it a step further than everybody else even though majority of my family is funnier than me i like my, my brother my brother is supremely funny and he could easily be like comedy genius it's just he doesn't care about it whatsoever i just so. remember he looked like jesus he yeah had like the long hair and kind yeah. of like a hippie dude yeah yeah, I don't know if now, he still looks like that, but oh, he's emaciated like Jesus. <laughs> he told me oh he's like, gosh. I got like a 32 inch waist and I'm like, you look like you're dying on the cross. And I'm like, you're just missing the long hair, the tear, the crown thorn. Yeah, he has he has Jesus's body type. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, I'm so proud of you for for like pursuing all that at all. I mean, there's so many people that just let their dreams die and they, they just never do anything with them. And they just live their life, you know, hoping and wishing to even try to do any of that. So I just think it's awesome that you've, that you're doing something with it. At the very least, I know that there's a lot of people who say like they gave up on their dream, but technically I'm still gunning for it, but I, I haven't like fully succeeded. So it's not like I've reached the epitome of what I want. And I honestly don't know if that will ever happen. But it's become kind of uh, my, I, I mean, they, they say when you take comedy classes, take it, you know, you can use it as uh, don't treat it as therapy, but it is therapeutic. So I think that's another reason why I've continued to do it is because it's my happy place. It's what I find joy in. It's not only a hobby, it's something that actually uplifts me. And I think that's where a lot of people let go of those dreams because it isn't, it doesn't become that anymore. After a long time, it becomes more of a burden or they feel like anger toward what they're doing. And that's when they drop it. And honestly, if it doesn't make you happy, then you shouldn't be continuing to do it, even if it is the dream, even if it is your goal to, you know, I don't, I don't know, own a gas station. And then you get like to a point where, you know, you can't get a loan for it. And you're just like, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to go into NFTs. I don't know. I'm thinking of like bro culture. <laughs> <laughs> Some random bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that's, I think that's perfectly valid too. And I think like, it's okay for dreams to change. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of times people, they want to say like, oh, well, you used to say you wanted to do this and all of a sudden you're not doing it anymore. Like, you know, when I stepped out from my position with Mary Kay, people were like, oh, well, you worked so hard at it for so long. And it's like, who cares? Like, it was what I wanted to do for a while and it was fun and I'm not really doing it and I don't really care. Like, as long as I'm happy, who cares? And, you know, yeah. I was blogging for a while and then I got sick of that. And, you know, I just, people get really uncomfortable when you change because people just 
I don't know, it's like they don't like change or it, it, they see something, you know, in them. I think, I think a lot of people are afraid to change. So when they say you taking the leap and changing something, they're like, oh, like it's triggering for them because they wish they could change something in their lives, you know? Well, some people don't take a lot of risks and it all depends on your personality. Like, of course, there's a lot of stuff that I do that I know makes people feel uncomfortable. Like I mentioned, uh, Christina, she did not like me in, you know, middle school and high school. And I understand that. Like, I get that there are going to be people who just the second they meet me, they're not going to like me. I'm not for everybody. I'm a very like, I'm a fine wine. I'm a fine taste. Like you either really, really adore me or I am the most annoying person in the world to you. <laughs> Completely get it. And it's the same thing with like performance and stuff. There, as much as I want to do certain things at certain places, there are people who do not like me at those places or who I've fallen out with just because they don't understand me or they can't get the concept of me. And those are the type of people like you're talking about who don't like change or they don't like something different about their own comfortable atmosphere. I break that up. I create some form of tension and they can't, you know, control their emotions toward that. Completely understandable. But at the same time, don't fuck me over to a point where like, I want to be a part of your world. And if you're gonna block me off completely, even though I'm still entering it, then we're gonna have confrontation and then I'm gonna get pissed off and then I'm gonna call you out and et cetera, et cetera. Cause like right now, very specifically, and if they hear this, they hear this. I've basically made it known. There is a, a stand-up place here in Michigan where I've done really well. I've had good shows there. And I've kind of proved, you know, my worth to at least be uh, hosting some shows. And for the past half year, I've been told, yeah, next year we'll get you on to host a show. Uh, we'll ho have you host in like this month, et cetera. But they won't give me exact dates. And yet every- Is that the one we went to? Yeah. Is that the one we went to? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And then- That sucks. Yeah. And there's a bunch of people who have started after me or the same time who- are getting booked there who have literal dates of when they are hosting shows i'm like why can't you give me a date what is it about me that you guys do not get or understand and it's because i have a very different style of comedy than everybody else who's there i'm sorry if i'm not like every single joke is punchline setup i do impressions i do weird stuff i do nerdy things i am not going to be the norm i'm going to be the black sheep it's just it's just in the cards for me to be that way. I can't help it. That's my personality. And that's, you know, I'm I'm making the audience laugh regardless. It's just a different style of comedy. But there's some people there who they don't like it. And I know they don't like it. Like it's just well, fuck those people. But yeah, I know that must be really hard. And especially when you feel like you've given it your all mm -hmm. and you're and you know, it's not it's not recognized or appreciated. However, I will say that the nice thing, even though I am, I'm so technically where I should be compared to where I am, I should be a lot further along, but I learned some things, you know, ass backwards. I understood concepts very late. It takes me a while to, to kind of like function and, and do these types of forms of comedy, et cetera. 
However, because I am more rounded in a lot more things, I am not limited to just stand up. And there are a lot yes. of people who that's all they have. That you can never right. put them in, you know, in sketch comedy. You can never put them in a film. You can never have them model for something. And they don't know how to change their style of comedy to fit different shows. Whereas I have like over 15 years of writing and sketch comedy and writing for other people, et cetera, et cetera. It's easier for me to write for other people than it is for myself. And even if I wanted to do a show, I could think of something the day of and make it work. Like it's, I don't feel threatened, but at the same time, it does piss me off that a lot of people who may not be the same caliber or who just straight up suck at what they're doing are getting booked for more things. It's like, I can't, that kind of stuff yeah. does really irritate me. But at the same time, I know that this is the only thing they have and that's okay because I have other things I can lean on. Yeah, absolutely. You're so multi-talented and um, you know, there's the, the good thing about comedy too, is it's there's there's so many different comedy places that you mm -hmm. could perform at right and things you could get involved in and i mean i'm assuming obviously i haven't researched it myself but i mean there's so many sit there's there's detroit there's royal oak there's ferndale there's i mean there's so many different like pockets and cities mm -hmm. and that's that's just like one area of michigan where like you could find a place and a community that appreciates you more, you know what I mean? And you're networking with these other comedians, ones that I'm sure some of them do like you and do interact with you and you guys can help each other and, you know, spread the word about different things you can all do and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is so when you get into a specific community, especially if it's local, the thing is it's, it's very much like high school where you can be popular in high school, but the second that you leave, can you be popular with anybody outside of that community? And there are a lot of people within stand-up, sketch, improv, et cetera, that they cannot leave their specified theater or their tight-knit community. They can't go out of state. It's scary to them, or they just don't have, like they're like you said, they they can't change. They, they're too afraid of what could happen outside of that vicinity because they don't have the support system. It's like a cult. It, oh my God, no. <laughs> comedy, comedy, specifically improv, is a cult. Second City, it's a cult. IO, that's a cult. Like if you leave, they're, they're afraid they're going to lose everything. Uh-huh, 100%. And the funny thing is, your worth and your success, you will find outside of those places. So I like plan to go, you know, travel out of state in the coming months and go to different shows. And I've already talked with a bunch of people who like are ready to book me at these places. It's just finding the time and also the money for travel. But mm -hmm. there's tons of people who I bring this stuff up to and they're like, you're going where? But you haven't really done anything around here. And I'm like, so just... And that's another thing is it doesn't matter if you're beginner, intermediate, professional, do what makes you feel joy. And also don't be afraid of others like trying to hold you back. Like if you fail, you fail. Like, I mean, if also, you know, have a little bit of uh, 
voyeurism to yourself and realize, are, are you decent? And if, you know, if you suck, then, you know, maybe work around here, <laughs> you know, build up your armor and your strength. But if you feel confident enough that you could do a good show out of state, then yeah, go ahead and do it. Like there, one of the, the funniest moments to me was when I first started doing stand-up and I've, I've only been doing stand-up for less than a year and a half. And when I first started, um, uh, last year, so what was that? 2021, whatever, La not this past summer, the summer before, um, I went to a show because I just wanted to see what the standups were doing and just get some ideas of like how to do it, et cetera. And there was a guy who he was introduced as being like doing some road shows and he had an agent. I was like, that's interesting. I didn't know that comics, there were specific agents for just standup comics. There's like agents for everything. It's so weird. Yeah. But yeah. So I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know if it was like regular acting agency or specifically for comedy. So yeah. after he got off stage, I went up to him and I was just like, Hey, um, so you have a stand up agent. Is that right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, how exactly did you go about doing that? Or like getting in with them? What did you need to show? Or, uh, what did they do for you specifically for like these road shows and things? And he looked at me and just, he's like, how long have you been doing stand-up? I'm like, oh, I, I just started doing stand-up comedy. He's like, you should wait. Like, give it at least three years. When you think you're ready, you're not ready. You should just wait to even apply to them because, you know, you want to make sure that you're even good. I mean, you just started. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh, it's like, motherfucker, I don't care if I just started or if, you know, I am like professional grade. You can apply to an agency whenever you want. And you that's what whenever I you want. Right. And that's when I responded back to him. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, um, I'm actually with three acting agencies. I'm one with in Chicago. I've got two here in Michigan. And I was just curious about the stand up aspect of it. But thanks so much. And he like his jaw dropped when I told him I was with three agencies and he's just like, he's like, oh, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And then he like turned to his girlfriend and was like drinking and like, he looks so embarrassed. I'm like, you should be. Good. You should. I, I don't, I would never, ever, ever say that to an, an upcoming actor or even a stand-up comedian or whatever. If you want to apply to an agency, that's on you. Do it. If you get in, Hey, you prove the system wrong. Like just, you know, keep working on stuff and and you know, if they like you, they'll book you. It's not determined by your fellow comedians. It's determined by the agent. So, right. yeah, the fact that he said that to me, I was just like, fuck that guy. And I've seen him a couple times since and I'm like, you're not that great. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I love putting stupid men in their place. Um, so have you, have you thought about going back to Chicago to do any, uh, stand up or performing or anything or, or have you, or not to move there, but to perform like visit. Yeah. yeah. Like travel yeah. there. I've yeah. talked to a couple people. Um, there is a guy that you have to kind of be in the know with to be at the laugh factory, but I know some people in Milwaukee who had mentioned a couple of shows. So for improv and for stand up, so I could kill like two birds with one stone in one night if I wanted to. And then there there's, um, there's a stand-up place in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then I have friends in Toronto as well as New York. So there's plenty of places to apply to. And actually there's this um, 
female stand-up comedy festival in New York City that I I keep forgetting to apply to. <laughs> but it's in November, and I'm like, I should probably apply to them. That's awesome. So, okay, I'm going to take it back a little bit, but what made you come back to Michigan from Chicago? Oh, and when we, did you do that? Uh, the first time or the second time? Both. I, both? Don't, I don't know. When, okay. when... Uh, both times were because I was very poor and sad. I'll <laughs> do it. Yeah, it's very true. So the first time, uh, my dad had stolen uh, over ten thousand dollars from me, and or sorry, over forty thousand dollars from me, and I uh, never paid taxes on it. And the IRS took all of my money, plus all of my roommates, because they had given me their rent money for the month, and it just happened to be the time that the IRS took all of it. So uh, I was very, very, very poor. I was eating Aldi pancake mix, the kind that you need an egg to mix with. And I was too poor to afford the eggs. So it was oh water God. and flour that I would eat or I would steal their food. Um, they did not know because it was stuff that they would never eat. And I'm like, I'll eat it. It was very sad, it was very sad. Uh, and I got to a point where I was like, I just need to go back to Michigan because I can't afford to live here. I literally wanted to kill myself. And I was like, probably not a good idea if you have suicidal thoughts living on the 18th floor of a high rise <laughs> with a balcony. So were you still were you still in that uh, apartment where we came to visit you? Yeah. Like the really cool view. Yeah. I remember that. I remember coming to visit you and like sleeping on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. No, it was a beautiful apartment. Um, and it was like the end. Basically, everyone was moving out and stuff. And I was like, this is a good time to just leave. And uh, so I moved back home with my sister. And then I got hit by a car <laughs> and uh, spent like half a year in physical therapy and then found an improv theater close by, like a 40 minute bicycle ride. So I would bike there almost every night to go see shows and be part of classes and things. Um, and then the second time was because I was poor and did not want, I was super depressed as well. Like my apartment was like a thousand dollars a month. I lived alone. I lived in like the basement apartment. I had to work so much. My job sucked ass. My four bosses, were a combination of two sets of brothers slash cousins and a lot of sexual harassment and like they would call me stupid and it was just terrible and it was super cheap like I mean they paid me so little compared to what I should have been paid I got paid like half of any graphic designer and it was an hour drive one way like I would I worked in Deerfield Illinois, which was an hour from where I lived and it just sucked. Oh, so, so you couldn't even take, you couldn't even take like, the train or anything. No, I had to drive. Um, and it, yeah, it was just, I hated it. I hated it so much. My manager was awesome. Everybody else sucked ass. And there was, I was supposed to, I like decided August 1st, my like lease was up and I could renew it or I could leave. I didn't make anything at Second City. I didn't make any of like Tourco or any of like the other house co shows after I was on a team there um, for house co. And that had ended. I was like, it's the perfect time. I can just leave. I didn't get the SNL audition. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get like a bunch of things. And um, I was like, all right. So for 
two months, I would drive every Saturday, drop my stuff off at my dad's house, drive to Michigan, and then drive all the way back to Chicago. I did that for like eight weeks straight to get everything out of my, my apartment. And then literally like two days before I was planning to just like get up and leave my job. I wasn't even going to give two weeks notice. Um, I got an email from Productions Plus, which is one of the agencies here in Michigan. And they're like, hey, we're looking for um, uh, people to work for Chevy at the Mil Milwaukee or Wisconsin State Fair. And it paid like almost $3,000 for two weeks. Oh, my like, gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. And I was like, hell, yeah, I want to do that. I'm like, wow. I have no place to stay. And I had so much packed in my car, but I was like, screw it's it. like i'm gonna I'll... show up yeah and yeah. i'm like screw it i need the money i'll just live in my car or something and i did i only lived in my car for like two weeks i got an anytime fitness gym membership the second week so that i could shower yes yeah. I, I spent the night at like one person's house that first week to bathe but i i lived i'm not even joking there was a meyer parking lot and i slept there every night i would get my breakfast in the morning the people like started to know who the hell I was after a couple of days because they saw me like constantly park in like, the oh, hi again. Like, Yeah, and I even like told a couple people who work there. I'm like, look, just so you know, I'm not homeless. I just I'm working at the Wisconsin State Fair for two weeks. I will be sleeping in your parking lot. I don't mean anything by it. I buy food here, and I'm like, I have money. It's just I want to save it. I don't want to buy like a. Um, uh, airbnb every night because that would have been like all my money for the day right you uh, like yeah spend all the money that you were making. exactly yeah. i did do one day of airbnb though because um this <laughs> the first day i was there at the wisconsin state fair it was like 85 or 90 degrees i wore flat shoes and it was on concrete and we didn't have a tent i did not know this so my feet swole up to like balloons and oh, no. I had feet problems for the entire like two weeks. It sucks so bad that it got to a point I had to take a day off and like relax at an Airbnb. It was a really nice one too. Oh my God. The one I found <laughs> in Milwaukee was so nice. It was like this weird, like private apartment house in the middle of downtown. And it Ooh. had like, it was very cool. And they had like this neat fridge and the bedroom was in the family room. And I just, I watched like a bunch of red letter media and uh, like, it's always sunny. <laughs> just like weird nice. TV shows the entire time. Um, and soaked my feet in ice, it was great. But then uh, afterward I moved back to Michigan and I lived at my dad's house. And my dad's house was very disgusting to live in. I had to clear out the office to like live in it. So there's only mm -hmm. one room I could live in at the house. I got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. So I moved in with my sister and my sister's house was so bad too that I wound up sleeping in my car for like three months. The good old car. Yeah, it was easier than uh, anything else because the room that I wanted to clear out and use, she wouldn't let me clean it out. She's like, there's too much of my stuff in there. I want to go through it first. I'm like, for three months? Check you like for three months, you couldn't clean it out? So I'd sleep on her couch, but she would stay up until like 4.30 in the morning watching TV. And it would be like super loud. And she'd be laying on the long part while I got the short part and I'd be trying to sleep and I couldn't sleep. 
So I wound up taking, um, you know, those cushion pads for like a lounger outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I took one of those and there was a room that you literally could only open the door and there was about that much room, like the width and length of one of those lounger pads. So I set it against the floor and I slept on the floor. That's what I did for three months. It was either my car or that. And I saved enough that just money. Sounds like, that just sounds like annoying for her. Like, why would she want a room of like random crap? Like, why wouldn't she want to like go through it? I don't know. Uh, because she's a hoarder. And no she's judgment. A terrible, she's a terrible human being. Uh, <laughs> plain and simple. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And then I was able to save enough for a down payment on a house. And that became amazing. And then COVID yes. hit. I got a house right before COVID. Uh, well, at least you got it before COVID and not yeah. during COVID. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Was, yeah. Oh my God. You could not find a house during COVID. Everybody was no. selling theirs and like the, yeah, the market went crazy and I got mine for so cheap compared to what it is now. Like my house is almost a hundred thousand dollars more than what I bought. Oh my for. God. That's amazing. Heather. In two years. Seriously. Yeah, I'm I, I'm pretty I'm pretty much like I, I'm never buying a house. I don't think it's gonna happen, <laughs> but that's okay. I love know. my apartment. I <laughs> never know. Yeah. But yeah, like we we were trying to move um, during COVID, and even like apartments, like I would go look at it, and then I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna go to the bank to get the deposit, and I'd be like on my way back, and they would text me, oh, someone just signed it, they're moving in. Like it, it would be like within like an hour or two, yeah. like apartments would be gone. And we ended up moving into um, my friend's condo because she had an extra room. And then a few months later, she ended up moving out and we had the whole condo to ourselves for, for several more months. We were, we were at that condo for over a year. It was like a year and two or three months. Was that the one was in from... Romeo? No, we actually, when we were in Romeo, we were living with my parents. So okay. we moved from LA, we moved back home in 2016. We did at one point have an apartment in Romeo for like five months, but um, I might tell you about that off the, off the air. <laughs> I, I just have a quick question about it. Was that the one next to the, the Chevy dealership? No. Were you living in those apartments? Oh, no. somebody, somebody told me you were living in those ones. And I was like, they no. don't seem great <laughs> no it's well yeah i mean i i guess it's not a big deal if i tell you on here yeah no they so i love having my own place i love my parents but i at, at this age obviously i mean you've you've lived with lived with your dad several times mm -hmm. and you know it's it, like you want your own place it's like you know especially after you've lived away for so long and then you come back and as an all it's just weird so i we moved into that apartment fairly quickly and it was very cheap um it was, it was pretty it was in Romeo but it wasn't those ones I won't okay. say which ones they were but um it was a little shady though like there were some shady characters that lived there the landlord was weird <laughs> so we were there for five months and I was like okay we're gonna go back and I mean I just think I like did it too quickly because I was like I just want to move out of my parents house and take whatever yeah. I can get and I think I settled and then we moved back in with my parents and then the condo uh, was in Rochester. So we moved in there in March of 2021. And then we moved into this apartment in June of this year, June, 2022. And I absolutely love this place. Like it was definitely worth the wait. And 
you know, I tend to do that a lot. I tend to like, you know, I just want something to be over with. So I'm like, oh, I'm just mm-hmm. gonna take the first thing that co- I do that with dating. Well, I've done that with dating in the past. I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, trust I will- me, I know about yeah. that. <laughs> now, now I'm like, I would rather be single forever than like be with the wrong person. But definitely in the past, I've been like, I just don't want to be single anymore. I'm just gonna date this person because they seem decent and they're not like the ugliest person in the world. But it's like, I mean, obviously we want more than that, right? <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah, I. Uh- yeah. Speaking of dating, so I, I keep, I, I used to be more like open and like tell everybody like the second it happened, I'm like, I'm dating somebody. It's so great. Uh, we're like, then the like two days later, you're like, never mind. Yeah. Or they, <laughs> they'd always break up with me. I just, I, I realize I'm a lot to deal with. And at first they seem shiny and sparkly and like good girlfriend material and then they break up with me and then they date somebody else and realize oh shit she actually was good and then they try to get back with me and i'm like too late it's too late like yeah right yeah, i know like, I, things i can't even tell you like how many of these guys like you know thought i was i don't i don't know i don't even know what they thought i was but apparently they didn't think i was good enough or they didn't like something about me or they didn't yeah. want to be with me And then months later or years later, I swear, like even years later, sometimes a random guy that I dated for like a month, five years ago, will slide into my DMs and be like, I'm so sorry, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, thanks, but like, I don't care anymore. Like, what? bye. (laughs) I mean, it's nice, but it's like, I, yeah. I have a question for you. So over COVID. Yes. um, It's so funny to hear about like this Adam Levine stuff going on. I don't know if you follow that. How oh my god like, no what's the tea oh so the maroon five guy yesterday or like the day before he messaged a girl he cheated on his wife with for like a year it was like this is weird but if i have a son i want to name them after you like i want to use your name and it was just like really creepy it's always just, knew he was an asshole yeah. i'm like so, people were obsessed with him and no. yeah so she came forward and talked about that and i was just thinking of there are a couple of people who have like posted about you know terrible people in the community etc like creeping on women blah 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 and it's so funny to me because i'm like you're one of those people like i there were so many and i'm saying so many guys that like i had either flirted with maybe have gone on a date with or i knew that they liked me and i just like didn't like them or or like we were we were good friends etc didn't matter if they were married didn't matter if they had a girlfriend didn't matter if they were single during lockdown i got contacted by at least 10 of them all of them wanting to like hit it up or do something Ew. or like super creepy and sketchy or just being like i don't know coming at me with like just very derogatory type stuff and i was like what are you doing And there was one in particular that I'm like, you're married. Mm -hmm. Why are Mm -hmm. you specifically like, I I get that I might've taken a photo of me where, you know, like I'm in like short shorts or something and I look hot, but do not message me. Like you look so fucking fine or whatever. I'm like, like, I didn't take that for you. Like this, that was not for you. (laughs) You're married. I know your wife. And I'm like, I am more than happy to let them know that. And I mean, yeah, yeah. oh, there are so many where they've like started hitting on me. And I'm just like, so how's your wife? You have a son now, right? You've got kids. 
how are right. your kids doing? I'm like, how's life as a dad? I just bring it back to like, I know what your lifestyle is. Do not start it. Like if you do, I'm more than happy to share it with your your wife, et cetera. Um, but yeah, there, there were a lot of those. I even got like one the other day that was so, so creepy that I had, at first I was like, okay, whatever. Um, someone contacted me. They were doing, uh, oh, it's called rejection therapy. So they sent me an Instagram post. And they're like, I know we don't really talk at all, or we haven't really like performed together that much, but I've always liked you. And I'm doing this thing called rejection therapy, where I'm asking out women that I know will most likely reject me just so I can move past that and get comfortable with like dating. And I was- What the fuck? Yeah, well, at first, I, I like to think, you know, the higher road and those kind of situations at first. You're like, oh, oh therapy, that's good. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, <laughs> yeah, I thought of, I just read it as therapy and I'm like, re rejection therapy. I'm like, this is a weird thing for a therapist to have you do. So I just responded back. I'm like, ironically, I'm dating somebody. I wish you luck, you know, with this project of yours. I'm like, unfortunately, I'm not interested, but you know, like, um, Good luck to you and 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 carry on. Like just, you know, keeping it very subtle and nice. And he thanked me. He's like, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. And I'm like, it's fine. Just, you know, I, I'm not interested. I'm with somebody. Good day. He messaged me last week at like months after the fact that he sent that, that original one. And he was just like, I'm so sorry. Oh, and he specifically wrote, I don't want you to feel ugly that I asked you out. I was like, why the fuck would I feel um, ugly? Why, <laughs> why, would, why would I feel ugly for someone asking me out? I'm like, that is such a weird backhanded compliment, like derogatory thing. I'm what like, does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. like, it doesn't even like, make sense. How like, do I, how do I take that in? Like that specific sentence. And I'm like, are you trying to be mean or like, accuse me of like i should feel ugly like what is this weird psychological thing he definitely needs therapy some well, kind of therapy well i out of curiosity i'm like oh and he he was just like um i it's just because i don't want to i i don't want you to think that i'm that creepy guy because i'm really nice and blah 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 he did the nice guy thing where he's like i'm a nice guy that's I'm doing the all this worst. Creepy stuff. Yeah, yeah and that's that's when i was like this is getting very very bizarre so i looked up rejection therapy i was like what the hell is this this guy is gonna come back oh and he admitted to being drunk in the second message so i looked up rejection therapy it was done by some douchebag bro guy of course it's like a self-help book like not a real these... therapist oh it's not real therapy whatsoever a real therapist yeah. would never do this right and uh a bunch of like women were commenting about it and saying this is awful that anyone would do this because you are literally making it so uncomfortable for whoever you are asking out and etc especially if you know they're not interested like why why would you do this why would you make someone feel uncomfortable whether it is a man or a woman or in between like don't why do don't it. you well and here's here's the thing here's the thing mm -hmm. if you actually want like practice and asking people out and possibly getting rejected just actually ask people out because exactly. you will get rejected sometimes you're not always gonna get you know and, a, the answer you want so just and like cleared practice it up. in real life yeah we cleared it up at the very beginning when i said i am with somebody it's fine left i let it be it didn't have you know didn't have a response or anything after the fact like we cut the conversation off it was 
we, we, we like, there's like no reason to contact you exactly again. Yeah. no reason and then i i messaged back because i got kind of pissed off after a while i'm like this is super creepy no i can't take this so i wrote back i'm like what you wrote is very inappropriate especially the thing about me being feeling unattractive or like feeling ugly that you asked me out i'm like i don't understand that concept but I looked at projection therapy. It's not real therapy. And it actually makes the other person feel extremely uncomfortable and you should not be doing this. And I'm like, especially for me, I would appreciate it if it just leave me be and leave me alone. You know what he responded back with? Sorry, I've been high on speed for a week. Sounds like a winner. So I told him, <laughs> never contact me again. And I blocked him. I was like, what Good. the? Fuck, you're on speed like, like this is this is what we deal with people like if like here's the thing like and i'm gonna kind of switch gears a little bit but it has to do with this mm -hmm. i i feel like people who are not in their 30s and single in this day and age have no idea what it's like especially like so a lot of my childhood friends that i grew up with well they're either single and gay or straight and married mm -hmm. <laughs> That's like where we're at. But um, my married friends have been married since they were like 22, 25. Yep. And it's like before COVID, before online dating, before, you know, all these things, so before so many things. And some of them, I don't want to say my friends do this, but maybe like random married people. But I, I've literally had people ask me like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you married? Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you single? Like, I don't understand why you're single. Something must be wrong with you because they've been married for so long. And I guess they're like, well, I'm married and I'm not perfect. So there must be something really wrong with you that no one wants to marry you. But it's like, they have no idea what the dating world is like and what we put up with and what we deal with. And like, even my parents, like obviously my parents are in their sixties mm -hmm. and things were a lot different then, but like they met when they were 18 and 21. They got married when I, th I don't even think my mom was 20 yet when they got married. She couldn't drink at her own wedding. They've been married for four years, whatever it is. So it's like, I can't talk to them. I mean, I, I'm pretty close with my parents. I talk to them about my life, but like, they can't give me dating advice. They're like, I don't even, I have no idea. Like they met at a bar. They met the old fashioned way. <laughs> so it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's just basically what I'm getting at is like, this is really good information for people to hear if they have no idea what this, what the single life is, yeah. is like now, because this is like, even, even though that is a crazy story, I'm not that surprised. Like, like these are the kind of people that we put up with. And like, the worst thing is those guys that, that say they're a nice guy. Like, you know, they're not, or, or the ones that like even act like they're a nice guy. And then you really get to know them. And you're like, you're actually like, horrible like you mm -hmm. know it's, it's almost like the ones that try like don't go out of their way are like the nicer ones they don't have to like prove it to you they're, they're just themselves so i am currently um I, i'll admit that when i said i i was dating somebody i am dating someone but i keep it very much discreet and on the down low i'm not going to say their name or anything but i I went without dating somebody for two and a half years, like from January of 2020 to like almost two months ago is when I first started dating somebody, like actually dating, not just like one date realize there's something wrong with this person <laughs> or we have no connection. <laughs> I went on two of those and like one was so boring. I said the thing you're not supposed to say, which is, 
are you on the spectrum? Oh my God. <laughs> I literally asked that at one point because the conversation was so boring and I like, I didn't know what was going on. I kept trying to instigate a conversation that was not happening that I would be like, what's, what do you like to do for fun? Sometimes I read. What do you read? Like what book? Describe the book. Tell me about the book. What, you know, well, when did you first start reading? Like there's more than just, I like to read. Oh my God. Well, I think I'm on the spectrum, but I'm definitely not yeah. boring. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But so, so, so what did, so what did he say? What did, what did he, she or he say? <laughs> well, I was also drinking. So there was also that, but uh, it got to a point where there was complete and utter silence. And I was just waiting to go home. I mean, I've never been on a date where I was so happy for it to end early. And I just turned to him and was like, so do you have Asperger's? Are you on the spectrum? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I'm like, just, just, I'm just curious. You don't have to, you don't, you don't have to answer that. You don't have to. Did he like, did he, did he like not, did he not know what that was? Or was he just like really surprised? No, he, he knew what it was. He's like, um, I, I, I don't know. And I'm like, I, the only reason I ask is because it's just, I, I'm asking questions, but I, you don't have any answers to any of them or they're very brief. And I just, I want to make sure that it's not me. Like, Am I, Were am I doing something wrong or like, is it just the communication? And I, I explained to him like my reasoning, but I, I'll say this. I did have a reason for asking that because it, it was very evident that he probably was. And it was- Well, maybe you helped him out. Maybe he's gonna go get tested now. Well, he, admi mean, he met, admitted to a text message after where he's like, I am on the spectrum. I'm like, okay. Oh, well, you should have just said that. Like if you yeah. had known that from the beginning, I feel like it would have been a lot different because you wouldn't just be like, oh, this guy's weird. Like, you know, you'd be like, oh, well, he, you know, he's well, on the spectrum, so he's gonna be like this. I'm very honest. And when it came to talking on the phone with him and just, you know, prepping for our date, I was hesitant because it was very evident that there's there was something lacking. I'm like, I don't get this sense of you having anything really passionate in your life. And I need that. I need somebody to be passionate about different, you know, hobbies or their job or something where it's not me always leading the conversation. I need mm -hmm. to have back and forth because I am a very animated person. Mm -hmm. I, I want to, I'm interested in a lot of different things. So I need something to, that won't bore me because I do get bored quickly. And he's like, well, when you meet me in person, I'll be a lot different. I'm like, you can't say that. We're on the phone, mm. we've been texting, and if there's something lacking, that's probably gonna transfer over into in-person. In fact, in-person, we tend to be even more, you know, a little bit uh, angsty or, or, or well, held you're back on first date. Well, yeah, 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 for sure. And yeah. sure enough, it was like, the phone calls were semi-decent conversation, but in-person, I mean, it took a nosedive to a point where 10 minutes in, I was ready to leave. I was ready to go. Like I did not, I, I was the only one who ate. He didn't eat anything and I ate and I drank. And it was just like, this is so fucking weird. And I'm like, mm. I literally feel like I'm on a date with myself because that's how much I've been talking. And he has had no response. 
And I even told him after the date, I was like, I, you know, I would like to have, you know, maybe a round two, maybe we can try this one more time, but I'll be honest, I just don't, I don't feel anything there. He's like, well, I do. And I'm like, I can't fake a relationship. And I'm like, it's amazing that you feel something for me, but know that if we were to carry on, I would feel like I'm I'm losing out on something that I could possibly have outside this relationship. I would never be happy. And I don't think you want that for another person. You want each other to be happy. And I've had that experience in other relationships where I knew I wasn't the person for them. And so when it ended, I was okay because I didn't want to be unhappy in that relationship. And the yeah, longest the longest absolutely. one I had um, was almost three years. And that started to ter- take a nosedive uh, toward the end of the, the, the second year. And then I find out, you know, he was cheating on me for six months. He had a girlfriend over the summer, secret girlfriend. He was, you know, getting titty pics from friends of mine who I had oh to like call out on Facebook and just be like, you fucking, <laughs> I was very rude. I'm like, you can go fuck yourself. I never want to talk to you ever again. And they'd be like, we didn't, I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? I'm like, bullshit. I saw the pictures of your tits. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> You're like, aren't these your tits? <laughs> like, yeah. Like I literally, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, someone had suggested when I moved back to Michigan, they're like, there's this movie happening and this person's directing. And I'm like, that's cool. And they're like, oh, by the way, uh, this girl is helping out on the film too. And it was the girl who showed her tits to, to my ex. And I told him, I was like, I mean this in the nicest way possible. She can go fuck herself. I hope she dies. I hope she trips and falls and breaks something. I'm like, she can go fuck herself. (laughs) And then I saw the director of that movie like a month later that I moved back to Michigan. And I was like, he like had this schmoozy sort of voice going on too. That was, oh God, he sounded like such a douchebag talking. He's just like, um, so... Uh, I saw the message that you sent about um, the girl, because I know that you wanted to help with the film, but I saw the message and um, I I don't know what happened, but you know, she's my friend. And you know, I know that you have issues, but she's my friend. He literally was talking like that. She's my friend. And I told him, I was like, so, okay, I was enjoy like, your yeah, shitty friend. I, I was like, well, here's what your friend did. She showed her tits to my boyfriend who I was dating at the time. And she was trying to fuck him. And I told her that she could go fuck off. And I told your friend that she could go fuck off as well. And I do mean that. I hope she goes and fucks off. He's like, oh, well, I don't know, you know, about that <laughs> history, but she's my friend. And I was like, what the oh like, did you hear like, anything? I just yeah, said. and I'm like, I'm like, cool, bye. And I'm like, well, oh you have a good God. day. See ya. And then I saw him again this past last last year um, for this Motor City um, horror convention. And my friend Laura was that sounds cool. Oh, it was super fun. My friend Laura had hired me out to play Elvira and walk around the, the oh, that's convention. And it was super fun. And I'm going through the tables and like saying hi to people and asking people if they want to take pictures with me and stuff. And I get to this one table and I'm looking at things and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cute. I'm like, this is weird. And his wife 
was working at the table. She's just like, oh my God, Heather. I was like, hi. And then I'm like, shit, turn to the right. And he's standing right there. I was just like, hey. <laughs> Oh like so God. and he looks so awkward and i was just like uh oh his wife asked me what are you doing here like he just got the convention i'm like oh i got hired to be here i'm hanging out by the vip booth tables and i'm like i'll see you around and i'm like bye because i know oh that they God. had like they had this tiny little booth her stuff was cute his stuff looked like shit. he looked like an asshole and then he came by the table of one of the VIPs I was sitting at with my friend Laura. And we're just like cackling and having a good time. And he's waiting in line like a loser. <laughs> and I was like, just like, I'm VIP and you're not. I know. I was like, <laughs> and all of these VIPs had got to know me. And I was like chatting with them and becoming super friendly. And they're all like chit-chatting with me. And, and he's just giving me this stink eye. Cause I know that's what he wanted. Like, this is, this is a dream of his to like be buddy, buddy with these people. And I was just like, I walked in here. I look hot. My tits are out. I look like Elvira. And I'm just like hanging out with all the celebrities <laughs> doing this shit. I was just like, you enjoy your little booth. <laughs> oh my gosh. Did you like say it like Elvira? Like, did you, <laughs> were you in character the whole time you were talking to them? I, I mainly just like. <laughs> was showing off my tits like for most of the convention but, like, it, that's an easy job there you go it, in that costume that is the that is one of the few times where I actually feel very sexy and like proud of my sensuality so I like to show that off but in general I'm pretty reserved I don't even yeah. like showing my belly button to any like I don't yeah. own crop tops or anything or like short shorts really um except for like weird photos so to be, to look hot, to have a great like job. I was there for th for like two or three hours and I got paid $300. You felt like a million bucks. I felt like a million, yeah, I felt like a million bucks. And I know that he had to pay for that table. He probably sold nothing. And he had to wait in line for all the VIPs. <laughs> I was just like, this is sweet irony. I did the bare minimum, got paid more than you. It's great. <laughs> sounds like a great day but yeah it was very it was very much like it's one of those karma moments of yeah it you know good on you for for backing your friend who's a dirty slut you know she can go she can go fuck herself stephanie i i want the world to know i'm gonna call i'm gonna this call woman. this this episode that she can go fuck herself she literally <laughs> she can go fuck herself if i ever Dedic see dedicated her, to the girl who can go fuck herself if i ever see her in public i will literally say that to her face to her face even i i will look her dead in the eye and be like hey remember when i messaged you to go fuck yourself and I you still can. And I message your friends that I hope you go fuck yourself. I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart, <laughs> you could go fuck yourself. <laughs> Newsflash. Um, you can still do that. Um, well, this episode is already over an hour long. Um, I know that. I know that. I know that it could probably be like six hours. I know. Long. I know. We have so much to talk um, about. <laughs> I know. Um, I definitely want you to come back and do another episode. I'm even thinking like while we're doing this, uh, because I mean, I just, I've been thinking about this for a while. I would love to do a live show of the podcast. And then I'm like, why would you not be there for that? So I don't know. We gotta, we gotta talk about that. 
off the air. I don't even know how to do that, but you know venues. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I so know we'll figure that out. You can do that. Yeah, well, we'll figure that out because I've been thinking about that. I thought it'd be, be super fun, but I was like, I don't know who else would be there with me, but obviously you should be there. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about that. But is there anything else that uh, our listeners should know? Any uh, last any last words? Any last words of wisdom? Yeah. Well, because uh, you talk about, you know, laughing through crises or just, you know, finding the lighter things in, in life. Um, I will say this, that uh, currently I am going through quite a bit. My dad recently got diagnosed with pretty much terminal cancer. I don't know if he has a couple yeah. of months to live or even a couple of years, but it's times like these where I am very happy that I'm part of a community that I can go see shows to make myself laugh. I have my brother living with me who can make me laugh. Or sometimes I make myself laugh because I am an idiot <laughs> and I do very weird stuff. I am that person who talks to themselves at the grocery store. I will talk to a cabbage if need be and tell it how beautiful it is. But during these terrible days that we have had because of COVID, our family, et cetera, et cetera, look to what makes you feel happy and dive into that. And don't be afraid of people saying, you gotta wait a couple years to be, you know, do this, do that. If it makes you happy, go do it. And everyone else can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen's today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, being on here with me and just sharing, sharing yourself and sharing your heart and, uh, and your humor. Um, where can we find you? Where can we support you? Yeah. Um, so I, well, I don't know when this is coming out. It would probably be after October 1st, but I will be at Planet Ant October 1st doing Joan Rivers and Kate Bush impression, impressions. And then October 20th, I should be at Supernatural, which is um, uh, near Livonia area. And that is a uh, bar that also is like a comedy club in the back. And I'm gonna be hosting as dead Joan Rivers. So I'm very excited about that. And I can't Dead Joan Rivers, not to be confused with living version <laughs> are you well, like a zombie well, because it's halloween yeah they asked me uh to host as they're like can you specifically be dead joan rivers i'm like well she is dead <laughs> and my material will be stating how i am dead uh so yeah yeah that's that's gonna happen um i don't know i think i'm doing some other stuff and i can't even think about it just i think you said you have yeah. something on the 13th too right october uh, 13th Maybe sure. <laughs> Probably. So where can people where can people follow you online? Yeah, I am at Heather Does Voices on Instagram and TikTok. And then I am at Heather Sanow Comedy on Facebook. I don't really do Twitter, even though I technically have the Rick Snyder handle. That's not a joke. I literally have former governor Rick Snyder's handle. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I got I got suspended, so I don't know how to get that back. Oh my god. I might have said some very mean things to some Republicans. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. That's um, hilarious. Maybe, maybe Candace Owens. I don't know. There could be many reasons why I got suspended. Uh <laughs> so follow me on the other ones. Yay. Sounds good. Yeah. There's something else I was going to say and I forgot. I'll probably remember later and just tell you. Oh, I was going to tell you. So Void is going to be in town soon. Yay, I know. At the end, at the, oh, okay. You guys have already talked. So yeah, at the end of October and for Thanksgiving and stuff. So we should definitely all get together with Amanda. I know they're staying at, at Amanda's place. So okay, part of it. So we'll figure that out. But oh, perfect. Yay. yay. Thank you, Heather. Thank all you so right. much. You're welcome. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you for laughing and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.